Welcome to another episode of the Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast, where we offer actions and steps you can take today to start balancing your hormones naturally. This is your podcast host, Leah Brueggemann. I am a functional diagnostic nutritional practitioner. I am honored and excited to be your guide on your journey to better understanding your hormonal health and how it affects your everyday life. Hey, really quick guys, this is just um, Aftermath editing Leah, letting you know that Landon was on for this interview and he did a really, really good job, but he does randomly like interpose his thoughts about trucks. So if you hear that, just ignore that. (laughs) This was an incredible, incredible interview. Hey ladies, welcome back to another episode of the Bouncing Hormones Naturally podcast. We have a special guest on today, which I'm really excited about because we always talk about in terms of fertility, it takes two to tango and we've never had someone come on and talk about the male side of fertility. So I'm very excited to welcome in Isla Bramer, who is a registered dietitian nutritionist and a functional medicine practitioner. She says that despite men accounting for nearly half of all fertility problems, infertility is still commonly regarded as a women's issue, leaving men feeling helpless and without purpose. But there are actions that they can take to make a positive impact on conception, pregnancy, health, and a baby's long-term health. Oh, I'm so excited to chat with you because I see that all the time. Women come in. And they are experiencing fertility issues. And I'm like, okay, so what's your husband's diet look like? And they're like, mm-hmm. uh, he smokes and he drinks alcohol and he doesn't really want to change. And I'm like, well, it does take two to tango. So can you talk to me a little bit about why you got interested in specifically infertility with men? Like what led you down this road? Yes. Uh, well, thank you for having me on to talk about this. I it's, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, fertility is most commonly regarded as a women's health issue, but the reality is it's equally both. I mean, if we look at the numbers, you know, just to kind of set the stage, um, and this is kind of what drove me really into making sure that, I was always working with men too, and starting to work on addressing men as part of the fertility equation, about 30% of fertility, infertility issues are due to female factors. 30% are due to male factors. And then the remaining 40%, which is uh, arguably the most frustrating place to be of all that's categorizes unexplained infertility. And that usually tends to mean a combination of both factors. So it really is a shared issue. And, you know, for me, um, when I, when I started in practice about 15 years ago, fertility wasn't a common area of work. It is more so now, um, in the realm of the nutrition world, let, let's say yeah. in the functional medicine world. Um, but as I continue to practice and see more and more couples with who are struggling with fertility, issues, I realized, okay, this is, this is reflective of a larger need. That's not only in my community, but we're seeing this nationally fertility rates are increasing infertility rates are increasing. And so, um, it really did start with 99.9% of the time women coming to see me and, um, establishing care that way. 
And I realized that there's only, there's too many limitations. There's only so much that I can do to really help, um, without seeing the male partner too. And so that's how it started. I began actually in my practice, which I'm not currently, um, seeing clients. My focus is, um, full well, which was born out of my practice, um, now, but really, um, I started requiring couples work together if they wanted to, uh, address fertility issues, even if we knew that it was, uh, if it was one or the other, because by addressing, both women and men in that preconception timeframe, you not only help with conception, but it's the health of the pregnancy and health of baby long-term that's at stake. So it's just so, it's so important. I get really excited to talk to you about it. Yeah. It's, um, wild to me when I first heard about like nutrient levels in mom affecting like genetic expression in baby. And I was like, hold on, like, whoa. And I know that like it obviously affects like men's nutrition effects because they're a part of that equation, but, mm-hmm. um, they're just left out all the time because mom carries the baby. So it's right. Like, they just seem like it, they don't matter, but in reality, obviously they really do. Right. You know, and, and what you just referenced, I mean, that epigenetic imprinting, that period of time really starts before conception. Mm -hmm. So as sperm and eggs are developing in that three, six month, even we can even trace it back earlier than that window, everything that's going on in our environment through what the things that we're eating, that we're doing, that's all talking to our genes in a sense. Right. Um, and it's, there's many different, uh, tags, you know, on both, um, sperm and, and egg. And, uh, those tags are basically the language, like the communication, um, that is delivered to that developing embryo. And it's telling them what the environment is like, what they, what they can expect, how to adapt. Like it's, it's really, um, part of evolution and really a survival mechanism. Right. But this is where, um, it's just so important to focus on men's fertility too. And this is actually regardless of whether or not there is a difficulty conceiving. I mean, really focusing on that timeframe before conception is important for everyone, because that's again, when that epigenetic imprinting is happening. And then in those early stages of pregnancy as well. Um, but so what men are doing in that window of time has, it has a big impact and Mm -hmm. we're seeing in the research now, which I find just so exciting, um, for its application that what men's health in that preconceptions, we're talking about three, six months or so prior to conception, their health then, and what they're doing can be traced to really common and dangerous pregnancy complications like preeclampsia. Whoa. Preterm uh, birth. Uh, we're finding men's uh, health preconception has an even bigger role in um, miscarriage, pregnancy loss than, than we once thought. And gosh, that, that is put on the burden of that is really put on women's shoulders. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy because I was recently learning more about copper levels can impact like preeclampsia. And I didn't even know that there was a male like factor in there. So I have a lot of random questions now. So if women, a minimum, we need to be paying attention to our nutrition three months prior conception, because that's, you know, when that egg is starting to develop, that will be released. Um, so what's that timeline kind of for men? Like what, what does that affect like Mm -hmm. sperm health, like development? When do they have to start paying attention? Yeah, it, it actually mirrors women uh, very closely. Uh, sperm develop in a slightly sh- a faster time frame, but I usually say three months for both partners. And so for men, it really is that three month window. Now, 
that's if for both women and men, right. It's, it's going to be three months when you're really focusing in, but in an ideal scenario, right. You're, if you know that, if you think that you want to have kids, um, in the future, you're starting to evaluate things as soon as you can, you know, because Mm -hmm. really it can take, if you are depleted in certain nutrients, if you are, um, if you've got environmental exposures that need to be cleaned up, if you've got gut issues, I'm sure you talk a lot about this, um, you know, on the podcast, digestive health issues, all that, all that may take longer than three months to really get you to a good place. Then it's not to say we need to be in perfect, like uh, things are going to be perfect when you are ready to have a baby. That's not realistic, but, um, but addressing some of those, those big things and those health issues, um, preconception can just have such a a huge impact. I mean, we're talking future generations here, you know? Yeah. It's, we've had some guests come on that talk about even like the adrenal effect, like, like grandma has Mm -hmm. on like Mm -hmm. baby. So it's just crazy to me. Like people are always like, Oh, you know, I want to live my life. And, you know, I'll, I'll think about stopping drinking or doing whatever when I'm pregnant. And it's like, really, you know, everything is just affecting, you know, that your, your future kids. So it's so important. I have a very, very non-scientific question to ask Mm -hmm. you. So have you heard like the myth that circulates that sometimes like women's cervix, Yeah, sweetie, you gotta be quiet. Okay. That women's Mm -hmm. cervix will literally like not repel, but basically reject certain men's sperm. Like, is this true or is this completely mythical? Yeah, that's a good question. What I do know, what we know for sure is that there's all types, there's all kinds of, uh, communicate always ways in which sperm and semen and the various chemicals compounds within it communicate to mm-hmm. women's reproductive organs. Right. Um, and that I find so fascinating. So I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that specific, I don't know, but I do know again, that, um, the ways in which kind of semen communicate to the reproductive organs that, uh, to be ready for, you know, yeah. uh, you know, implantation and fertilization. I I mean, that's really kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems what's crazy that, to me. You got to be quiet, buddy this boy. Yep, you can pick a different one. Um, it's wild to me that like, for example, like women's cervical mucus, like its job is literally to help filter out like mutated mm-hmm. um, sperm mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of its job. And so it's, again, just one of those things you wonder, like, do certain women's like cervical fluid, is it more habitable, habitable, hospitable, whatever that word is for like, um, having girls or boys, because it's like, I know it's a 50, 50 chance every time, but like, it's crazy when you see a family that has like all boys and it's Mm -hmm. like, how (laughs) did that happen? I wonder that with my family, because we had six boys and two girls. And I was like, how come I got, left? I know it is wild when you think about it. Um, and we, I mean, we know too, that in the cervical fluid, you know, and in the semen, like there's lots of trace minerals, there's, there's nutrients. I mean, we see folate. Um, I mean, it's just nutrition comes in really, it's really important. Not only And then in a roundabout way, right? Like it, the hormones needed to produce healthy, you know, semen, sperm and all, and also uh, cervical fluid. So 
there's a lot of ways in which nutrition and lifestyle overlap and kind of coming back to your point. I mean, uh, you know, the egg, uh, female egg has some ability to overcome some genetic mutations of mm-hmm. sperm, but not it's to a degree. Right. And one of the most, the, one of the biggest things that I would say to couples that were going to work with me, um, or, and I say just generally to women, uh, now is that don't rule out men just based on a single semen analysis. That's, that's a really important message, I think, because even if it it takes a while, there's steps involved where you're before you're even going to get something like a semen analysis. But if you've had that done and the doctor says everything looks good, I still, um, would encourage both partners to be focusing in on interventions in that preconception time. And also to, to, to remember that, um, the conventional medical community is looking at something like a semen analysis through a different lens than than we might. Right. So they're kind of looking, can assisted reproductive technology like IUI, IVF, can that work? Um, will that work? You know, if we are able to, uh, to do that, not, you know, what, how can we improve the chances of conceiving naturally having a healthy pregnancy and baby's Mm long-term health? So I think it's, it's just so much more than just like getting the positive pregnancy test, (laughs) you know, we want to think future health and all, you know, and, and that really does trace back to, to men. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think it's just like you said, they're looking at it through a completely different lens. They're like, how can we help you here? And unfortunately, and sometimes more money Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of like, how can we support you on conceiving naturally? So Um, well, let's go back to like the scientific realm a little bit, but, um, do you think is infertility primarily a male or a female problem? Yeah. So absolutely equally both. And I think I talked about some of the stats in the beginning. It's really 30% uh, of what we, we track for infertility is, is due to a female factor, 30% uh, male. And then the remaining 40% typically is a combination of both. I mean, you see a lot of different statistics when it comes to fertility out there, you know, and it's tough to really capture all those struggling to conceive that aren't necessarily being caught or given an actual for infertility diagnosis. Right. But, but the bottom line is that it's, it's equally both, even though we, we view it as a mm-hmm. women's health issue. And that's just, a, does a really a big disservice to, to everyone, to, to couples, right. Who mm-hmm. want to avoid the, you know, the financial, emotional, physical toll that something like fertility treatments take, you know? Um, and, and then on top of that too, like, it's wild to me that with men's like sperm yeah. count and fertility, they don't, like they keep lowering what they consider normal, Mm -hmm. you know, like 40, 40 ish years ago, like sperm counts for today or quality would be considered infertile, Mm -hmm. but like, we're not looking at that and going, wow, we have an issue here. It's like, oh, let's just lower the standard because it couldn't be something with everybody. It's just kind Mm -hmm. of ridiculous. Yeah, it it really is. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're really talking about men's health as a whole, because the way that I look at fertility, as you probably do too, for both women and men is a, it can be kind of a window into overall health in a lot of ways. Right. So when, because, and I say that because, you know, by design, our body's always going to turn down reproductive function, right. Over and prioritize everything else. Um, that's the, it's a little simplistic to describe it that way, but that's how I've always thought of it and described it to clients, you know, and, um, 
And so when we start to see things happen, um, fertility wise issues there, usually it traces back to another underlying root cause, you know, and, and that could be a number of things for men. I mean, there's, there's so many things that affect, even just if we talk very directly in a very direct connection, uh, that affect testosterone production, you know, and Mm -hmm. you need, um, healthy levels of testosterone for good, normal sperm development, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, stress, uh, you know, excess body fat, um, you know, metabolic syndrome, right? Like insulin resistance, those things are all going to negatively impact testosterone production and can affect sperm quality. You know how I love a good old tart cherry juice to help you sleep or a topical magnesium gel if you're having some trouble getting in your magnesium. And I have sent you to a thousand different brands to try and get all of these different products. But I'm very excited to share with you Rocasa Organics, which I'm so excited to partner with because they have such an incredible ingredient policy as well as their products are awesome literally that's all i got to say so again a friend introduced me to these products and i'm like okay i'll try them out um loved their ingredient policy and so i started trying out different things literally went out and bought spent my own money you guys i'm gonna try these things out for sure before i recommend them and the things that just spoke to me the tart cherry juice has chamomile extract and valerian root you guys it was the tipping point for helping me sleep so much better while i'm pregnant i even give a teaspoon of it to landon and he's sleeping so much better so we all know the troubles we've had with landon sleeping we use their elderberry juice we use their magnesium gel they have a muscle and joint cream which when i popped my rib out if you're following me on social media that was oh it was so helpful so they have a tiger solve which is using the plant-based bakuchiol to help with strex marks you can use this while you are pregnant they have cleaning supplies and i have just been sending so many clients to them because they have such an amazing ingredient policy they have great prices and you don't have to go to five different companies to get five different products i can get all five of my products at one company which i'm very thankful for so those are a few of my favorite products um i swear by that tart cherry juice you guys and i reached out to them to get a discount code for you and it's a super easy to remember discount code it's l-e-a-h my name super easy so definitely go try them out they are giving you 20 percent off your first order you will not regret it literally if the only thing you get is the tart cherry juice you will love me forever um but they do have amazing cleaning supplies and like i said i love their body butters and there are hair spreads for postpartum hair growth. Literally, there's there's so many options. And like I said, their ingredient policy is, it's really, really good. So I'm very excited to partner with them. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So I know women, not that I want to say you have a ticking clock, but like you kind of do. <laughs> At some point, like you will go through menopause. So do men have a ticking clock or like, are they always able to reproduce? 
Yeah. So similar to, to women, it, it, yes, men does, does age does matter for men. Um, like it does for women, although there's some good news in there, right? So mm-hmm. men become more at risk for fertility issues as they as they age, because for both women and men, we see hormone production, particularly DHEA, which is the yes. big, you know, starter hormone really, uh, for all the rest, uh, you know, we see that decline, you know, with age. And yeah. so, um, that's a piece of it, but it's also, um, it's also more about the cumulative effect of stressors on the body over time that happen as we age. That's what I've seen in practice. And so if we think about it that way, the strategy becomes minimizing and compensating for the stressors. And I don't just mean like stress in the classical sense, right? Like, so, uh, but also things like nutrient deficiencies, Mm -hmm. lifestyle choices, environmental exposures. I mean, Mm -hmm. those things all add up and deplete resources that would be needed for healthy reproductive functioning. Again, if we keep in mind that the body is going to prioritize everything else over, you know, reproducing, then that, that tracks. Yeah. And that's just a body's safety mechanism. Like if you go back to like, I don't know, back in the time when you had to forage for your food and there wasn't enough food, you know, your body's not going to prioritize making a baby. It's going to prioritize like saving you from the bears. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we talked enough about how important it is. So what, what can men do? Is there, what can they do to help improve their fertility? Yep. So, I mean, this can get, uh, you know, extremely complex and very individualized, right. But there are four things that I think are top of the list, uh, mm-hmm. that if you focus on these, this is going to be like your biggest bang for your buck. So number one, I mean, first and foremost, we want to flood the body with the right stuff to help combat the things that we can't control like age, certain environmental exposures. So top of that list is absolute eating a diet rich in antioxidants and omega-3 mm. fatty acids, in my opinion. So, um, you want to think fruits, vegetables, produce, right? Like, so colorful produce, a variety yeah. of it and, and more of it. We're, we're generally not eating, uh, you know, enough produce in general, but that's, you know, that's going to be one of our richest sources of antioxidants. Um, but seafood too, including shellfish, which are really uniquely high in sperm supporting nutrients like zinc and selenium. And I love, you know, recommending like couples go out for like, you know, oysters, if they can do it. I mean, I'm on, I am in the Boston area. So like (laughs) that's a little more better than where it does here. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little more doable around here, but, um, but you know, I think that could be, that can be fun. Um, number two, I mean, this isn't going to sound surprising, right. But, um, exercising regularly, but if we thinking about it a little bit differently, right? Like, so what we really want to do is pump that fresh oxygenated nutrient rich blood around the bodies. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we want that particularly to happen from the brain to the reproductive organs, right? So that they're communicating that, um, helps with good hormone balance and, and production. Um, but that's, that's, that's the way I I started describing it that way to, to clients. And I feel like that, that helped put a visual image in, you know, it's just movement, moving your body in any way that feels good, because that's going to help pump that fresh oxygenated nutrient rich blood around the body. Um, three, uh, you know, getting seven to eight hours of sleep a night. I mean, there's a lot that could be said about that. You know, ideally that's as closely in sync as possible with the light and dark cycles, because our circadian rhythm is very closely tied to our reproductive health. And it's one of the reasons why we actually see more fertility issues in shift workers. Um, Oh, that's very interesting. I, know that like shift workers also are just stressed 
<laughs> it's just a stressful mm-hmm. job, mm-hmm. you know? So that makes sense that it would impact. Um, but didn't think about again, the guy having shift work. So Yeah. And we don't have as much research data on this as we do for women, but melatonin production, which we know with all the artificial blue light and like, you know, being disconnected from our circadian rhythm and things like that really affects that. And melatonin is actually a very protective antioxidant that we at least have data. And we know that that helps developing follicles, the egg, um, and can be very supportive. And I think it's reasonable to think that that also is supportive for sperm development. Um, And then lastly, I put as number four in the top list, you know, daily supplementation. I mean, because I am absolutely food first, um, you know, food and lifestyle first focus, but we're not going to get it perfect all the time, every single day. So I think, you know, high quality supplements, um, obviously I've got full wells, vitality and virility, um, formula. I think those can really help fill in the gaps and support sperm quality. Yeah, no, I think that that is food first, but you know, mm-hmm. our, our soil is also depleted of mm-hmm. certain vitamins. And like, there's also certain foods, like I know vitamin a is like a huge, like when you're deficient in vitamin a, that really affects male fertility and it affects like female cervical mucus. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the highest sources or great way to get it in is like beef liver, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of grosses mm-hmm. people out. Yeah. That's always a tough one, right? Um, I've gotten creative with different recipes and ways to hide it, but like, yeah, consistently. And I'm not sure historically we would have ever consistently gotten beef liver in, right? Like it would have been, you know, whenever that was available. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. And you know, it's also, I feel like we've also gotten away from like using everything, you know, like we'll be like, Oh, Mm -hmm. we'll have a steak or we'll have hamburger, but maybe not use the other more nutrient dense parts. Oh yeah. Lots to say about that. Right. And then the imbalance of amino acids and missing the collagen rich, you know, uh, cuts. Yep. I I agree. So you touch on supplements, but can we kind of like go back to that a little bit? Are there like specific like formulas maybe you recommend, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. generally, for people. Cause I know supplementation is very individual and you don't want to like, just like everything works synergistically. Right. So you don't want to just like be like, Oh, I'm going to take like 30 milligrams of zinc because it's good for fertility. Cause that could throw out your other minerals. Mm-hmm. So are there blends or anything that you would recommend without testing maybe that people should focus on and then where should they test? Et cetera? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I would say when it comes to the reproductive for when it comes to fertility, that stage of life, this is where a really well-balanced, well-formulated multivitamin, I think can come in handy. That, that is not necessarily, in my opinion, the case for all other stages of life. Like you may not always need a multivitamin that that's, um, there might be other ways to achieve what you want to achieve, but this is such a nutrient intensive time and it's a time to get things in balance and their bioavailable form. So, um, I mean, there's some nutrients in particular that I, I like to really focus on. I mean, vitamin D is vitamin D is a big one. And I know there's, um, been a little controversy around that and I'm not sure your take on it, but vitamin D is the most well-researched vitamin that we, we have, we've got really solid, like randomized clinical control trials on it. We know it helps fertility. We know it helps sperm, um, 
development. So I, I really like to see 4,000 IUs, which is what I put into full well as a starting point. I would say there may be a need for more, but to get that properly evaluated before just mega dosing on it is important. Um, B vitamins and their most bioavailable form, including folate. So folate is really important for men's fertility as well and sperm quality. So we think of Mm. it we think of it for women, um, and yeah. preventing neural tube defects, but it's actually really important for, um, men's sperm quality as well. Um, and yeah, and we want to think about the form there, right? Like the form that we find predominantly in the food supply is methylfolate. Um, it's not folic acid. Folic acid is the synthetic form that we, uh, it's used to fortify the food supply. And so that that's a less bioavailable form. Um, and, yeah. So I would say, uh, and, and it's tough to do, it's tough to get enough fully. I mean, you need 64 cups of kale to get the recommended, you know, around no, the thousand micrograms of folate that we need. So, um, th- that's to give some examples, but zinc, zinc is really important. You mentioned that, um, I would agree. I think it needs to be balanced out with other minerals. Men don't need copper is incredibly important. Um, men don't need quite as much copper. They tend to really, um, to, to need less of that for a variety of reasons, but I, I formulated, uh, full wells, vitality and virility to be the most bioavailable forms of the nutrients and doses that match the evidence. Um, and that I felt would be well tolerated. And so it could kind of act as a good base for solid mm-hmm. fertility. And then I think it's working with a practitioner to see what do you need on, what do you need? If anything, on top of that, um, right. essential fatty acids might be one of them too. Yeah. Yeah when nobody eats enough salmon. Nope. Nope. Yeah. I think that's really important. So now this may be like a controversial question, (laughs) but, um, when let's say a couple is struggling with fertility, I think the most common thing that they do is they think first doctor, and then you have to do like endocrinologist or fertility doctor. And I'm not, necessarily discouraging going and getting those, um, like going and being like, Hey, like what's going on with my labs and stuff like that. But they rarely, okay, sweetie, they rarely approach uh, nutrition at Mm -hmm. all, you know, Mm -hmm. which is such a huge aspect of fertility. So, what, what do you recommend? Do you think like they should go to a registered dietitian that specializes in fertility? Like, are there questions they should ask? Like, how mm-hmm. do they kind of assemble their health team? Because yeah. I know from my experience, women will come in and be like, Hey, I'm going to my primary doctor and I want to have these labs run. Like, do you think that's good? And I'm like, well, what kind of answers are you looking for? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? So what, what advice would you give, you know, if you're struggling for fertility, like what advice would you give? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a really good question. And I think I'm going to try not to be too long winded or complex in my answer. Cause as you can imagine, I think it's really individual. Right. And it is, it does come down to the question that you asked, like, what answers are you looking for, but also what timeline are you working on? You know, um, there's, you know, that, that is a key piece of it. I mean, I will say a lot of times it's like, you don't suspect or think there's a fertility issue until you've already been trying for six months, a year, maybe longer. You've had maybe multiple losses that it can, and then it can feel like I wanted a baby yesterday or, you know, a while ago here. And so like, I don't, it's, it's the 
tough to, it's difficult to want to have that patience. What I would say is that, um, getting to the underlying root cause of what's going on is going to be so worth it. Um, if there's the, the opportunity to do that, because it's going to not only set you up for conception. I know we want the positive pregnancy test, right? But we also want a healthy, uncomplicated pregnancy and a healthy baby, right? And healthy families. And so I think um, I've had this conversation quite a bit, you know, with couples where it's like they've they've seen all kinds of specialists. They might be coming to me and they're like in the middle of an IVF cycle, right? The best time for nutrition and lifestyle to have a positive impact and for, for me to really, um, or for you or for any practitioner to really have it, the full, um, ability to really help. I think it's like backup lets do a full assessment of what's going on yeah. and a, a registered dietitian, you know, there's you, I think it's worth it to work with someone who can order specialty lab testing to help right. fully assess, you know, your vitamin and mineral status, your, uh, metabolism, maybe genetics, just look at, uh, this is really, and a lot of that specialty testing is, it's different because we're looking at, okay, where are the imbalances? What are the root causes to the issues right now? Not how do we, how do we see what is now a, um, acute, uh, diagnosable condition that can be treated with a medical intervention. It right. may, it may become, it might get to that point, right? Like, and that's where you collaborate with more conventional medical, uh, practitioners, you know, your PCPs, your endos, like they're absolutely, and, um, you know, uh, fertility centers, like they, they can absolutely help when it becomes, it gets to that point and, or, you know, a couple decides that type of intervention is right for them, but there's never going to be a downside in my opinion. I'm a little biased, but there really yeah. is never a downside to trying to address the nutrition and lifestyle piece and get at any underlying issues, um, because of the impact it'll have on the health of baby. Mm -hmm. No, that's kind of, that's wild to me though. Now that I'm thinking of like the things you said, I'm just like, when women miscarry, like immediately they're just like, what's wrong with my body? Like, mm -hmm. why did I miscarry? And based off of our conversation, it's like, no, it still takes two. Like, and so I wonder sometimes if that is such a crucial point that women are missing, you know, because I, you know, I'm with you, like, let's try and fix the underlying issue. But like, let's say you need progesterone suppositories or progesterone injections while you're present, while mm -hmm. you're pregnant, like, mm -hmm. please go get those. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like, let's try and fix what we can before we get to that point. But I mean, goodness gracious, like when there's so many unexplained miscarriages and like my progesterone numbers were fine. Like what was the issue? It's like, well, maybe let's like look in another area now. Yeah. I mean, what is absolutely wild to me is that, and this is so not talked about, um, men's men's health and men's sperm have more of an impact on the development of the placenta than women's own bodies do. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. Yeah. <laughs> whoa. What? Yeah. It's wild. I mean, now let's give women credit, right? Like they grow the placenta is an organ that they right. grow from scratch, right. For a pregnancy yeah. to nourish baby. And that's incredible. I, I just think that's incredible, but 
men's sperm um, and semen actually signal uh, quite a bit to for the the proper development of it. And so that's how they're finding wow. the connection between men's preconception health and things like preeclampsia, which can be traced back to not in all cases, but can be traced back to the health and development of the placenta and its function. So yeah. much can be traced back to the health and um, development of the placenta. And so you know, uh, they're thinking that may also be one of the, the connection points between early pregnancy, you know, between pregnancy loss too, but there's a lot of, um, a lot of factors there. So, yep. That's mind blowing. Okay. So I hope that like really not men don't listen to this podcast, but (laughs) (laughs) wives, please get your men listening to the podcast. Um, So this is going to be, it's going to make some people hate us, but what should men avoid to increase fertility? Yes. Um, and so I have to say, I'm going to give this list, but I also am really proud of this blog post that, uh, we wrote up on fullwellfertility.com um, about like how to actually have this conversation with the men okay. in your life. It was basically conversation starters so that this doesn't wind up being a fight. Right. Cause again, your audience, yeah. probably a lot of women and it's like, how am I going to tell my partner? How am I going to talk to them about this? Right. And it's tough when it's, um, your partner and it's not, you're not necessarily getting a practitioner to, to, cause we know this isn't being taught, uh, generally or, um, in the conventional medical or any, a lot of, um, settings. So, yeah. So here's, here's the top three things. So number one, chemical and heavy metal exposure. I mean, this probably seems obvious, but it's, it's, it's a question of how, right. I mean, the reality is that yeah. we are exposed to more environmental chemicals and pollutants today than any other time in history. Some big bang for your buck type things to focus on to reduce your toxin exposure. Um, in my opinion would be to swap out fragrance products. Um, because we know they have, uh, known hormone disrupting chemicals like phthalates in them, um, switching those out to more natural options options, things like the air fresheners, those wall plugins, the car air fresheners. Um, you know, I, I usually, that's something that I feel like is very tangible and I can, uh, the couples that I work with, I'll say, let's just go do it, go around and let's just kind of get rid of those right round those up yeah. and replace it with, um, a more natural option, maybe an essential oil based, mm-hmm. um, option, uh, to alcohol. Now <laughs> I know this one isn't <laughs> popular at all. And, you know, I'm not saying that it has to go entirely, but I think you know, your partner who won't be drinking uh, throughout a pregnancy or for women listening, you won't be drinking throughout a pregnancy. Right. So if men can avoid, um, or greatly reduce their alcohol intake for at least that three month window, right. Um, before trying to conceive it's, it's going to mean healthier sperm, healthier pregnancies, healthier babies. And then number three, again, no surprise here, but smoking. Yeah particularly cigarettes. I mean, the thing about sperm is they are so sensitive to what's called oxidative stress, um, which you probably talk about Uh, and cigarette smoking generates a ton of that, you know, and so quitting will have a really positive impact. Ah, yeah. Plus it stinks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Plus that. Uh, Goodness. Okay. So, and then I also think, you know, it's a good reminder too, like, you know, you can bring them this podcast. Um, because I think sometimes like there's that education factor that men don't realize that maybe they're a part of that equation when it comes to actually like Mm -hmm. getting pregnant and sustaining the pregnancy, you know, um, 
especially I think, you know, PCOS is such a big one that's on the rise and awareness around that. And so automatically, if you're struggling with fertility, you're just like, oh, it's me, like Mm -hmm. it's me, but it's, it's not, (laughs) you know, It, it takes two of you. So I think education that it could be, you know, he needs to maybe come in and help out a little bit, but then also like, if you guys are wanting to have a baby together, like he obviously loves you. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, just presenting it in a way like, Hey, maybe we can do this together. So, yeah. I mean, I think even if for women who, you know, know they've got a diagnosis that affects their fertility, like maybe they're struggling with endometriosis, PCOS, as you mentioned, you know, still, you know, and it maybe especially so in those cases, we want men to be involved and to be making changes as well, because we want to stack the deck in your favor, you know? So even if we think it's one predominantly one couple, one, um, one partner's, um, kind of issue, so to speak, I, you know, we want to make sure that we're, uh, removing as many straws from the camel's back as possible and trying to help support, you know, give the best possible chances of success. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. So this has been fascinating. So where can everybody learn more about this? Because I'm sure like me, their minds are like, what men can affect placenta? <laughs> yes. So we, we have a lot of information up at, uh, our, on full well. So it's fullwellfertility.com. And we've got a blog that we pour a ton into, uh, you know, just, we've got three dietitians on our small team. I mean, we're just really putting a lot of um, effort into those blog posts and the education that we put out on Instagram at full well fertility. Um, and so that's where I'm spending most of my time these days. I also, for anyone that is more savvy, I'm the co-founder of the women's health nutrition Academy, and that's like continuing education for women's health. Uh, and my practice Boston functional nutrition, I'm taking a little sabbatical from that right now. I've run it for about 15 years, but that's, um, that's, that's another place that you can find me. Okay. We'll make sure we put the links to the show notes so people can find that. Cause if you're like me, I, I would never be able to remember all that. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Balancing Hormones Naturally. If you found this helpful, I would love for you to share it with a friend and post it on your stories and tag Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast so we can get this message out. You can find me on Instagram at Leah underscore B-R-U-E-G and I would absolutely love to hear from you.